First of all, I'd like to welcome everybody and all our listeners, uh, everybody, to the first episode of the Washed Athlete Podcast. Uh, this is just a group of college friends right here talking about anything and everything that we are interested in, and hopefully you will be too. Uh, a lot of us here are former athletes and one actual athlete in college. Uh, a lot of us are into Marvel, uh, a lot of sports, uh, whether it be football, basketball, soccer, and also just anything under the sun that we might find interesting that you might too. Uh, so the members of this podcast are myself, Peter, uh, then we have Justin, Raj, Andres, and Jacob. Uh, they'll, you'll hear plenty of them throughout the rest of the podcast. Uh, so yeah, let's just hop right into it. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, so for this week, uh, it's week 16 of the 2021 NFL season. It's been really, really interesting so far. Um, and I think I want to start off by talking about my New York Giants because, good God, they are so bad. Fly, Eagles, fly. I hate you, Raj. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about how bad the Giants are. They are so unbelievably bad. I've been a Giants fan my whole life, and it hurts a lot to watch them lose 34-10 to 10 against the <laughs> Eagles in Philadelphia. Like, it's painful, and I don't know how much longer I can keep going. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair assessment of where the Giants are at right now. You have, an opportunity, right. Yeah, you have an opportunity to kind of make a stand, like kind of salvage the season with like a get win against a division rival. Like the Eagles are kind of the Eagles are kind of going up a little bit and making the playoff push and to just like to just play that poorly. Like it's 3-3 at halftime and then just to light up 30 plus points in the second half to lose that game is kind of embarrassing. Yeah, that I think that's the part that hurts the most is because like it was a decent game at least by the defense because they're able to hold them to three and then it's just like we give up, we're done, no more playing, and then they just lose by thirty. It's like guys, what are we doing? Well, you drafted a good uh, linebacker out of Georgia in Aziz Ojolari. You got a pretty good receiver in Kadarius Tony that you just drafted. What do you think the Giants need right now? They've needed an offensive line. Yes, Raj, you're absolutely right. They have needed an offensive line for 10 years, Jacob. They really, they draft like these kind of flashy players, whatever, that they think, oh, maybe this will be able to turn the franchise around. But I think they really just need to like get into the trenches and just get some guys that can move bodies. Because I don't know how they expect an incredible running back like Saquon Barkley to carry a team on his back or a below-average quarterback right now in Daniel Jones to try and turn a franchise around. It's just not going to happen on their own. Like You need to be able to have guys that can do the dirty work, that can step up, and can just maul people on that line. That's true. I know. Uh, Sorry? Yeah, how do you feel that Lane Johnson has more touchdowns than Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay combined? What were you going to say, Jacob? I was just going to ask what you think about uh, Andrew Thomas and see if he's panned out. I mean, I know you guys got him just a couple of years ago. Uh, left tackle. I mean, he's been, he's actually been pretty good. I think he's been like his first year was a little bit rough, but I think he's actually developed into a pretty good tackle. The only issue is that he's one player and we need five of him. So it's, it's a little rough right now. 
Do you guys have your draft pick this year? Uh, we do. We also have the Bears one. So hopefully we can turn those into some good picks. But uh, I've been saying that for the past 10 years. So let's go. You know, I definitely think that's just like um, not a great situation to be in, especially like with knowing that you have to draft two, two linemen essentially just to keep the team afloat. And you're going to have Danny Dimes for another probably another year. So like you're going to have to get him some help eventually. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. But, um, yeah, so I think, Justin, did you want to talk about the Chargers game? <laughs> because that yeah, was, I mean, that, yeah, speaking think, of messes, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, like, on my biggest takeaway from the NFL week is just how badly the Chargers dropped the ball in this game. I mean, if you look at the standings now with Dolphins beating the Saints, the Chargers are on the outside kind of looking into the playoff picture. Um which is pretty embarrassing considering where they're at. I mean, I've, I heard a lot of news networks coming out and being like, oh yeah, the Chargers are the Chiefs' biggest threat, talking about how Justin Herbert's arrived, how this team's really turned it around. And you go in to Houston, they're 3-10, three and they're three and ten, I believe, and then they're starting Davies Mills, who like hasn't looked great this year. They don't have any, they barely have any talent on that team. And to lose by 12, and it wasn't really like, it wasn't like a down to the wire, like, oh, they got cheap points, like, they, they lost that football game and to just drop the ball that bad. And now they're going to have to play tough these next two weeks against like to compete against teams like the Dolphins who are playing out of their minds right now. I mean, they've won tons of games just straight. And I don't see a picture, honestly. I don't see a situation where I think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs, which I think if I had said that three, four weeks ago, everyone would have called me crazy. I probably yeah. would have called you crazy yeah. for sure. Especially after they uh, beat my Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a tough loss there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just one of those teams where it's like, they can, they're like a flip of a coin. Like, you really never know which Chargers team you're going to get that week. Because, like, they could be absolute world beaters and beat the piss out of the Chiefs or lose to Davis Mills and the Texans. Like, I, there's no in-between with this team. It's like, they're either winning by 50 or losing by 20 to teams that they shouldn't. Like, it's so weird watching this team. It kind of feels like, despite the fact that you bring in a new head coach to the team, they're still having They're still the Chargers, yeah. yeah. They're still the Chargers at the end of the day. And I don't know, I just think it's crazy to think that this team that was so promising in the beginning is now... I, I think I haven't checked... 100% but I'm pretty sure pretty much sure they're actually on the outside looking in that's nuts that's actually and that, nuts and I mean they've had a tough schedule no doubt I'm looking at it now and I'm like they have got some good wins in there but I think just like the Texans with the Texans I mean they've okay they got the Broncos and Raiders left on their schedule which those are not easy games yeah because I think both teams are still alive in the playoff hunt so you gotta you're gonna play two like playoff atmosphere games just the hope to get into the playoffs. But I think they got a good bright future in uh, Justin Herbert. I did think when he got drafted, he probably should have been the third uh, quarterback drafted. But I mean, if you look at how he's played, you can make an argument that he might be, um, you know, maybe even the first quarterback drafted, even though Joe Burrow just had an insane performance against the, uh, their rival, uh, the Ravens, their division rival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
For sure. And talking about first quarterbacks drafted, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this Colts Cardinals game that happened on Christmas Day? That looked to be about as big of a playoff atmosphere uh, as it possibly could have been. I mean, although they aren't in the same conference, so they couldn't play in the playoffs unless it's the Super Bowl, um, I thought that game had the energy of a legitimate playoff game and um, was extremely competitive. I think the Colts are one of the scariest teams in the NFL right now, um, especially considering they were without the majority of their um, offensive linemen. If I recall correctly, their only uh, starting offensive lineman was their right tackle. And they had like even backups injured. Um, Jonathan Taylor is a legitimate candidate for the MVP this season. Um, Carson Wentz, um, slightly hate to see it, to say it, but I mean he is playing well enough for the Colts to win. Um, and the defense, I mean, they're playing well enough uh, to win. I think the Colts with that run game is one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. And then. Uh, you got the Cardinals, who were extremely promising starting off 7-0, and but the loss of DeAndre Hopkins uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm not sure what the, you know what's going to happen with them. I think that they are clearly a talented team, but, um, you know, I think that... And they control their own destiny, but I'm not sure what's going to, uh, you know, their outcome will be by the end of this uh, regular season and come playoff time. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. I mean, you look at the Colts, they start off um, really bad and they're just winning all these these games and you st- see them lose against the Bucks, and you're like, okay, maybe they're not there yet. But then they come out and play real- against a really good Arizona team. I mean, I think it's really easy to point to just Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins being studs. And then you have like James Conner on that on the running back, especially with the injury of their starting running back. And Chase Edmonds was back yeah. that game. He was back that game, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you just see this offense, and you're like, it's high power, but the, like that, that Cardinals defense is legit. And Indy played played them hard. And I think what you see here is like, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is going to be great at this point. Their offensive line is really good, even with the injuries. I still, uh, Jonathan Taylor still averaged four yards a carry, which is like decent, which is decent, especially against a good defense. But then when you can have Carson Wentz making that big time throw that he makes into the back of the end zone, I mean, that's one of the best throws in the NFL season. And if Carson Wentz can not turn the ball over and play smart football, I mean, this team could legitimately win an NFL championship. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's a hot take. I agree with everything you said, but I don't know if that was like one of the best throws the NFL sees. I like, I can't like there, I'm going to have to think on that one, but I'm not sure about that there, Justin. I'll know about that one. I think you got to look at that. He's hips are facing away from the ball and he drops that right over top of that safety. Um, I mean, def- I think it's definitely up there. I'm not going to say it's the best one. I got to see them all on like a clip, but uh, it's definitely one of, the- I think it's one of the best ones for sure. Um, and if Carson Wentz is playing well, which right now, based on certain metrics, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I think if he's playing really good, this Colts team is going to be hard to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well Andres, you definitely had some uh, good quarterback play in uh, your game. <laughs> Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Yeah, so before I say anything, I would like to preface my football knowledge is currently limited, but I have been getting into it a lot more and more recently. And so, yeah, I mean, right now you have Patrick Mahomes and Big Ben. Um, Big Ben, I mean, he's a legend for the Steelers, of course, but I he's getting old and it's been showing. It has been showing. He's washed. <laughs> it, yeah, he's washed. It has been shown. He is washed. I mean, 
great. Like he's was great in his day, but his time's definitely coming to an end. And it's it's like a crazy juxtaposition in that, like with Big Ben and Patrick Mahomes. Like Big Ben's just his time's coming up, and the Steelers this season have been one. Well, just the way I would describe it is just interesting. Their season has been interesting. It's I don't know. I mean, Jacob, like how what what do you have to say about your Steelers? I have a lot to say about the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> not a lot of it is a lot of it's you know not uh, not that good. Um, I think that I'd like to first start off by saying that Mike Tomlin gets a lot more hate than he honestly uh, deserves. You know, True. I think that he has um, a roster that um, has been injured a, um, a decent amount during this season. I mean, they've lost. Uh, they don't have stuff on to it for seemingly the entire season. He had 11 sacks last year, and they uh, uh, lost uh, Bud Dupree to free agency, and he had eight sacks last year. So that's 19 sacks that they just don't have um, to their defense, which although has like you know, it's very uh, a high profile and uh, you know, highly uh, thought of defense. You know, that hurts. And then you have an offensive line that is still very young and you know needs to uh, grow together along with a lot of uh, characters, you could say, on the, uh, at the skill positions on offense, specific, uh, specifically <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, Chase Claypool. TikTok, I, boys. TikTok. Yeah. He's been, <laughs> he's been pretty uh, frustrating, especially Chase Claypool, these past uh, couple weeks uh, with him deciding not to ability, uh, you know, as much as he should for, uh, you know, wasting time in a crucial moment of a game. But um, I think that the Steelers, the, the difficult thing about being a Steelers fan is, you know that the standard is the standard. So that means the Steelers will not try and tank. They'll tr- always try to do well. But with that in mind, you got to know that it's going to be uh, tough to get those uh, higher draft picks and get players that you would want. Yeah, and I think even with it being late in the season, it almost begs the question about whether it's worth it to just lose these next two games you know. and focus on their draft picks because, yeah. um, like, a lot, there's a lot of teams right now that are seven, seven, like, se- well, I guess it's like seven and eight, and like right, right around that range. And it's like if you're the Steelers and you can just fall to seven, nine, and one, that could move you up in the draft five or six spots. And I don't know if drafting a quarterback's right in this draft for the Steelers, but just getting overall like more talent and then hoping to get a splash quarterback or pick up someone in free agency and make a trade. Um, something like that. Cause clearly big Ben is not coming back for another year and better not. Um, yeah, you, you better not. Um, but I, I mean, I think big Ben gets a lot of hate for this season for sure. But also I think entering the season, everyone knew that big Ben wasn't going to be good. He was coming out for a, another ride. And even in this game, there's so many issues going down 23, nothing. I mean, he only throws one interception. So, I mean, there's a lot more issues that are bigger than Big Ben, even at this point. And you're asking him to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game. Like, you're just not going to get it done. Yeah. Jacob, who would you want to be quarterback of the Steelers next season? <laughs> uh, realistically, um, or, you know, or dream. Realistically. Don't you dare say Aaron Rodgers. I swear to God. Realistically speaking. Well, Peter, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but of course I was going to say Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe right. even Russell Wilson, because it doesn't seem like things are working out in Seattle right now. Um, realistically, though, I feel um, as if the Steelers could 
uh, you know, benefit through going through a transitional year, um, you know, trying to, you know, maintain the standard with uh, maybe what Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, um, and then get a guy in the next, uh, you know, the next NFL draft. Um, I don't believe well, this quarterback class is as strong as the other ones have been in the past. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe wait it out a year. Or I know a lot of people at Pitt are big on Kenny Pickett. Kenny Thank Pickett you. I, I was gonna a- I was gonna ask you about this, but you already took it out of my mouth. So go ahead. What's your thoughts on uh? Because there's a lot of reports about the Steelers usually getting players from Pitt, especially considering they watch him every Saturday. Well, I think Kenny Pickett. You know, he had a pretty good year. Um, I mean, he. You can make an argument that he benefited from having. Co- Apparently the best receiver in the country in Jordan Addison. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, he clearly had a good year. He put up good numbers. Um, I mean, you know, he put himself and his team in a good position to succeed. And I think he should get uh, applauded for that. Um, but at the same time, this is how many years has he been at school? Could one of you guys that, you know, six. bigger six years, it took him six years to have one good year, you know? You didn't transfer. It's not like he didn't get many opportunities as like a Joe Burrow did. Um, it took him this long to get, you know, to finally produce. And, uh, you know, it's hard to trust something like that. Joe Burrow was different because Joe Burrow played against, you know, the highest level of competition. And he just simply, he simply did not have an opportunity to, um, you know, play beforehand. Kenny Pickett can't really say the same for him, but, you know, I hope for the best for him. But, if I were the Steelers, I'd be very hesitant to uh, drafting a guy like Kenny Pickett. The yeah, I was talk- yeah, yeah, I think talking before we uh, recorded this, it was just like, I don't know if it's in the Steelers' best interest to keep someone who's been in Pittsburgh for the last couple years, probably five or six years, keeping him in the same city, probably better for her. Um, it's in, I think it's probably in Pickett's best interest to just go to a different team, um, kind of start working on that NFL career outside of uh, the city of Pittsburgh. Especially, I think it'd just be weird playing in Hyden Stadium every day because that's where the, the Panthers play. So just constantly returning to that space. I don't know if it's in his career best interest. but Yeah, I mean, the last time we drafted a, a relatively notable Pitt Panther was James Conner. And loved the guy to death, got his uh, jersey. But um, I mean, he ha- experienced a lot of injuries. I mean, he has a remarkable story, but he experienced a lot of injuries. And um, now he's, uh, you know, he's been playing uh, very well at uh, Arizona. But, you know, I'm not so sure if the Steelers should, you know, continue to, uh, you know, look, uh, draft as many players from the Pitt Panthers as they, you know, do. But you know what? That's why I'm not a, uh, an NFL GM. I'm not an NFL executive because, you know, that's just my opinion. And I'm not sure. Well, so we can move off of Jacob's anti-Kenny Pickett agenda (laughs) real quick, and we can move on to, I guess, a quarterback that he does like, even though he should hate, in Mac Jones. So, so Raj, do you want to start talking about that game? That game, the, the one thing I took away from it is just the inconsistency of the Bills. Because... In fantasy, I have Josh Allen as my quarterback in one of my leagues, and the one thing I've noticed is how inconsistent the Bills are, because I don't know if the win was the reason why they lost to the Patriots that one game, but the Bills have just been so inconsistent this season that they're like they're probably a shoe-in for the playoffs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 
Yeah, like, yeah, I'm leading their division right now. Yeah. So like it's the Bills, locked. it's 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 fairly much. I think it's fairly locked at this point. Yeah, yeah. the Bills are like a shoe in for the playoff right now, and like they have their spot. But looking at how they're playing right now, like I don't think they'll be making it out the first round. Honestly, like the Patriots on the other hand, they have Mac Jones who's young. I mean, anything could happen with them. But the issue with that is is Belichick. Like, is Mac Jones a future for the Patriots and Belichick? Because looking at like that statistic I saw on like NFL memes or something, it was like. Belichick without Brady, he was like he has a losing record with every in every like statistic. So, is 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 Belichick? I just did. Did you seriously just take a statistic from NFL memes? Is like yeah, yeah. It's a it's a true statistic. It's a trustworthy source. Wow, dude, it's a true. This is canon. I mean, it's true, but like still, like. Is the page is the I'm not I don't want to say anything about the Patriots dynasty being done or anything, but it's like it's looking like it's just gonna be a clash between the Bills and the Patriots. Everything, but in my opinion, I think the Bills have the edge on them, and the only reason why the Patriots won that one game was just because Josh Allen couldn't throw the ball to Stephon Diggs. Or uh, I think looking oh, at yeah, looking at the records, looking at the records, there is a world in the, which the Bills do not make the playoffs. I mean. It's unlikely they got the Falcons and Jets on their schedule, so like I'm not holding my breath. But um, if they if they were to lose those last two games, they could miss the playoffs. I think it's just that roller coaster ride, you know, and like what conditions can they win in? I mean, I know that blizz- those blizzard conditions they play the Patriots, and even though it was a close game, like everyone left that game kind of going, wow, Bill Belichick just like outplayed the entirety of that Bills team, and they're just kind of an up and down team, and. I don't know if you want that. And with some of the losses they have on their schedule, they've lost to the Patriots once. They've lost to the Colts. They've lost to the Bucks. Um, kind of begs the question about like they've lost to the Titans. Like, can they beat these big time these teams that are going to be in the playoffs? Because their only signature win I'm really looking at is the Chiefs early in the year when they were going through their their issues. And then other than that, I don't think I see any big time wins other than the Patriots this past weekend. I mean, I've uh, learned. Uh, sorry, you can go. You can go. I mean, as a Steelers fan, I've learned to never, uh, you know, doubt or bet against Tom Brady, and also never bet against uh, Bill Belichick because I've experienced a lot of heartache um, for doing that. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, it's a good question. Mac Jones is just a rookie. Um, he's put up fantastic numbers at uh, this point for a rookie quarterback. Um, he's been very precise, but um, I'm not sure. I think it's a good question. Yeah, that just begs the question, is Mac Jones just a system quarterback or is he really that good? He's a system quarterback, he's a system quarterback, he's a system quarterback, he's not as good as Kenny Pickett. <laughs> wow. I guess, yeah. I guess the I big thing will be in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I very much so disagree with that. I think Mac Jones is, uh, he, his preparation is uh, like, uh, you know, any other quarterback. I think he, well... I wouldn't say that, but he uh, goes uh, very into depth with his preparation, um, puts his team in a very good position to succeed. Um, he's not going to wow you with, you know, his athleticism, although I'm pretty sure I believe he ran a four eight. But, um, you know, he's a good, solid quarterback. Um, and I mean, he's doing better than any of the other rookies. That's a fact. That is just wow. I guess we'll just have to see. Um, I mean, I'm assuming the Patriots and the Bills are both going to make the playoffs, so I think we'll have to see in that first round game what the Patriots are really made of. Um, 
and what Mac Jones can do. Cause I mean, I think he threw two interceptions, if I'm not mistaken, this past weekend. And that's something that you can't throw two interceptions in a NFL playoff game. It's unlikely you go home with the win. So. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, not to shit on Mac Jones or anything, cause I know Jacob's a little sensitive about it, but is he really going to make it that far in the playoffs is the question. Is Belichick really going to bring back his dynasty with Mac Jones? I mean, I think so. I mean, why, like, what's the hate for Mac Jones? I mean, you could be hating on, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, even though I think he's going to have a fantastic career. Zach Wilson, player I've never been extremely high on because of his level of competition. Um, it's the Jets and the Jags. You could we be hating really... on Justin Fields. You could be hating on Trey Lance, even though he hasn't gotten an opportunity. You could be hating on any of the other quarterbacks. Why Mac Jones? Because the Jets, the Jags, and the Bears suck. But why hate on Mac Jones out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL in general? Not just rookies, just out of all the quarterbacks. Out He's played well so far. Just because I know it pisses it, you like, off. Look, look, at the, look at the receivers on the, uh, the Patriots. Who's Here we go. Like a good receiver on the Patriots. Nikhil Harry. Nelson, Agu- Nelson Aguilar. Hey, don't talk um, about my Philly boy like that. Okay. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar. Not good at football. <laughs> okay. Nelson Butterfingers. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jacob, anything else. you're kind of talking about Mac Jones like he's a superhero, but for me personally, I don't think he is a hero. On the other hand, but at uh, transition, um, for context, uh, this past weekend, all of us saw uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think now would probably be a pretty good time uh, to get our thoughts on everything, because I know Andres is probably hanging out to dry right now because we've just been talking about football for the past like 30 minutes. (laughs) And I know he has been dying to talk about this. Yes. Andres, you can stop itching your neck. We know you've been feeding. It's okay. Oh, do I have a lot to say about this movie? I mean, wow. I for like already, like I was just blown away because I growing up, Spider-Man was like my hero. Like he was my favorite hero. Like first superhero movies I watched were the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And oh man, just seeing him back just in the MCU, seeing him back in the Spider-Man suit and in the MCU, like combining two things that just I I love, like oh, it was incredible. There was, there's just it was it was fantastic. Andrew Garfield too, like I think he was overhated. Like sure, like he was too cool to play Peter Parker. Peter Parker's supposed to be a nerdy guy, but as a Spider-Man, I I think he's arguably the best. Like just purely Spider-Man. Like he's got that humor. He's got that swagger. He's He's just like his web slinging scenes, the suit. I, I think Andrew Garfield's a great Spider Man, and I think he was one of the high points of the movie. And I know Justin like might agree with that point. Yeah, for sure. I think I left the theater going. I mean, obviously, Toby Maguire and Tom Holland do an excellent job, but I think Andrew Garfield stole every single scene he was in. Um, I loved him as kind of that like he he was. Uh, spoilers for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> to like mention real quick, but I think that um, you can see kind of like his defeat after losing Gwen in his movie, and I think he really like takes that pain. But also like he's that guy who's like hugging all the Spider-Man because he's like, yeah, this is great. Like I have brothers, and he like he brings that good energy to it. Um, and I think all the actors are great. Like I think the older Tobey Maguire also like holds up really well but i just think like andrew garfield for me just stole every scene and whether it's not he's like cleaning cobwebs off the 
the ceiling of Ned's grandmother's house or anything. I just think he does a great job. And I think overall the movie is it delivered on almost everything it promised. I think it over promised and over delivered at the same time. And I just don't know if they could have produced a better movie. Um, like with the with what was going on. I mean, I think most of us agree here that Endgame and Infinity more might be the only movies better than it. And that's saying a lot because this movie had only really two movies building up to it versus the other ones. And I just think it's a great job by Sony and Marvel like putting this film together because there's all that behind the scenes noise about um, would they really come together? Would they be able to produce this big time movie? I know they had different deadlines. The movie was rushed. It was like they reshot a lot of scenes. Um, but at the end of the day, you come out with an emotionally jarring movie that I think the only things that I can really criticize, and I think I'm definitely more critical than some other people on this pod. Um, but I think the only things I can com- complain about are pacing issues in the beginning. But I think you go into act three of that movie and just i mean i sent the video in our one of our group chats today and just seeing all three spider-men like on one screen like web slinging around each other like acting as a team is one of the coolest moments in um mcu like uh, probably a top five scene yeah i agree that was fantastic yeah i mean i agree with you justin i also was critical of the beginning i felt like while it was uh there it, a lot of stuff happened in the beginning i felt like it also uh it wasn't as engaging i did like the um addition of uh matthew murdoch uh from you know daredevil uh, i actually just started that series uh you know over this I've break been screaming for you to start oh, that yeah. forever <laughs> it's been so good it's been really good i'm in the second uh season right now highly rec- highly recommend you know um Wish somebody could have told me to watch it sooner, but you know what? Uh, very good show. Um, but no, I thought that the Spider-Man movie was uh, fantastic. Um, I thought I have Infinity War, Endgame, and Winter Soldier ahead of that movie in that exact order. Um, I think that if the beginning had been slightly better, it probably would have been um, ahead of Winter Soldier. But I feel that the um, you know the Infinity War is just the best movie in the MCU period, start to finish. And then I think that um, Endgame, well, there won't be any in-theater experience that can top Endgame. I don't know if there has been one. I haven't seen every movie, so I can't make that call. But I don't think there has been one. I don't think there is one currently, and I don't think there will be one. So I think those are the, that's the two reasons why I have it ahead of that. But um, it's almost as if the Spider-Man had been uh, working together for years, how, uh, you know, considering how strong their chemistry uh, appeared on screen. Yeah, I actually, I really do agree with you, Jacob, on like, I feel like one of the big things that you're talking about where it's like Infinity War, it just had like, I mean, it it was hard for like No Way Home to really come even close to that. And the fact that it did really says a lot because when you have, what what was it, like 18 movies of buildup versus I guess technically you have two movies of buildup and then I guess now, what would that be? Another five movies because of Andrew and Toby's movies. But it's just like the fact that it had as much of an impact on everybody as it did with that very little run up and basically half a movie to do it because they had to set up everything at the beginning. That's that first half. That's where you kind of get into those pacing issues. But then once it gets going, 
the fact that they could just store and they just took every single idea possible and just ran with it to the best that it could possibly be. It was, it really was incredible. I remember turning around and watching Justin just bawling at one point. And I was like, yep, it's this kind of movie. It is, it really was incredible, like seeing all of them together and. I will say it does kind of suck that we didn't get that experience like an Infinity War or an Endgame where it wasn't really spoiled as much. Because I feel like going into it, we all kind of knew that Andrew and Toby were going to be in the movie. Like, like, sure. Hollywood's, like Hollywood's worst kept secret. Exactly, exactly. So it's like it does kind of suck that we did kind of miss that part where it's like, um, like the imagine if you didn't know going into that movie that toby and andrew were going to be in the movie and then getting that first reveal that would have been like that might have been able to top a lot of moments from infinity war and endgame i'm not gonna lie that had the potential to do that but it's just like just the way the cookie crumbles the way the ball rolls like you know what we'll take what we can get at this point we saw them on screen at least once so we'll see yeah there's definitely a type of like they needed to get the box office to hit, especially with the pandemic. I mean, this thing still yeah. cracked all kinds of records and um, the pandemic's still going on. So I think they definitely wanted to like sell the movie and the trailers a little bit. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, it was not a, like, it wasn't even like a leak from Hollywood. It was not a secret. It was right in the trailers that like Doc Ock and all these villains were showing up. And I just think about like what this could have been if you yeah. found a way to hide everyone. And you see doc ock like come in and you're just like holy heck like how did he even like get there um like i mean that would have been cool but i think i still think like they show everything i don't even think this movie you need to really see the other spider-man movies i mean they're helpful but i mean besides the plot about peter um needing the spell so that his uh friends can like have a normal life i think the movie's a pretty good standalone i mean they'll even mention like andrew Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, like he still says something about how he couldn't save Gwen and how that was a big deal. And they say talk about Toby and like his like him and his best like his best they have the little exchange with Ned where uh he's like, Yeah, I, I, I had to kill my best friend or whatever. My best friend tried to kill me, and then Ned gets all freaked out and Ned's telling like Tom Holland Spider-Man, like, oh, I'd never kill you. But like they they do explain their past universe Spider-Man, and I think that like you don't need to be an expert. You didn't need to even grow up with the old Spider-Man films for it to be a really, really enjoyable movie. Yeah, I think they. you're right. They did a really good job of like not just kind of throwing their characters in there and then having everybody kind of just be like, well, what's the point of them being there? They really they served a purpose to the plot. They were able to kind of show their character and how they actually have like changed over time. And how like for Toby, I think... He, be, he becomes almost this, like, not father figure necessarily, but he's definitely the older, wiser one out of the group. Uh, Andrew, where he kind of, like, briefly mentions, like, a darker path that he went on. Like, and that, that makes sense, like, if you think about it, where it's like he talks about how Gwen died because he couldn't save her and he stopped pulling his punches. Like, that's a, that's a pretty, that, like, that line of logic makes sense that he would kind of start to go down, like, a path of being a true vigilante. And for Tom to kind of just be there and be this like very clearly youthful, um, like almost boy compared to the other two, like grown men that are in the room with him. But then they still see kind of like that passion to be Spider-Man, but then also see like, oh, this kid is going through our origin story right now. 
it might be a little bit different to ours, but he is at that point where he needs kind of some older figures to like really show him like, hey, you need to go on the right path because you don't want to stray down the path of darkness, essentially. I think you just said it perfectly. This is an origin story. It's like a it's like a second origin story for Tom Spider Man, I guess you'd say, because he like he really transitioned from the next Iron Man or Iron Boy, whatever, into like actually being Spider Man in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said second origin story, and I mean, it really is the first. I mean, they just like um, Tom Holland Spider Man's pretty much. I was like, yeah, I got bit by a spider. Like, this is cool. I can do this now. And like in this movie, it's where they deliver the with great power comes great responsibility line. And it's where he really learns to put his morals up, like up on the line. And I mean, I think they succeed at it. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely it was probably one of the best movie experiences ever. Again, I don't think anything's coming close to Infinity War Endgame. But damn, was I not expecting it to be this good? Hey. Yeah, yeah Raj, like, that's great. Hundred percent. What I was gonna say. What like? What are your thoughts about this movie? My thoughts are well. On the car right there, I have Andres saying, "I'm trying to go into this movie with zero expectations, but I can't." So I did the complete opposite and went in with no expectations, and I was completely blown away because I did rewatch like a couple of the old Spider-Man movies before watching this. Andres, uh, did you know that? I did not uh, actually. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is, like, I, I think I could say this, but Andres and I were roommates, so, like, um, it was actually, like, 3 a.m., and, what, the Spider-Man movie came on the TV, and you're like, what the hell? Oh, you, yeah, you yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that kind of went on a rabbit hole, rewatched some, like, plot holes about that movie and everything to, like, kind of, like, so, like, I did pick up on, like, some things that did happen in the movie, like, whenever they would do their little, like, quips or shit, like, whenever, like, uh, what was that one line, um... Uh, when um Doc Ock and Peter met again, and he said just trying to do better, like that one line, I remember that from yeah. being from Spider Man Two. So like I went into the movie zero expectations, and I was just shocked at like how good it was. Like, like literally like what twenty minutes of the movie, the Matt Murdock reveal, Peter was sitting next to me, and this oh man God. just started going crazy. <laughs> I was I was I would I didn't want to be that guy to start screaming during it. Because, like, no one really, like, I, I could tell people, like, knew that was Matt Murdock, but, like, they weren't really excited. But I was over the moon when I finally saw him there. It was like, because I, I watched all three seasons, and I have been banging this drum for years that Daredevil is probably, it's not probably, it's the best superhero show ever, hands down. Um, yeah. And <laughs> if we are. No, Jacob, you're not even. Arrow doesn't even touch Daredevil. Wow. You are nah, not even coming at me with this. I will I just, fight oh. you to the death over this. This is. No. Watch. Okay. Finish Daredevil and then talk to me about how CW shows even come close to the masterful work that they did with Daredevil. Um, but I yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would honestly put it up there with some of my. like. I would put it up there with some of like the best like superhero stuff I've ever seen. Like, sure, it might not come. I don't want to put it up with like Infinity War and stuff because there's so much build up there. But if if it's more like a standalone, I would probably put it pretty close to the Dark Knight when it comes to wow. just how yeah, just like how good of like a show they did because it's not just a a good superhero show; it's a good show. And like the character work is so good and all that, but you know, 
again, well, I'm ranting about this. I'll get off my high horse. <laughs> well, back on that. Well, kind of on that same uh, token, though. I mean, if you are into superhero shows, not from the C, um, you know, not Arrow and the Arrowverse. Gotham is also a very, very good show. I actually, yeah, I've heard. Yes, yeah. I've watched Gotham like one yeah. or two seasons. I, I kind, I liked it. Yeah, my friend Will put me on Gotham, and I thought it was, you know, just a very good show. Um, you know, obviously it's about, you know, it's a DC show about Gotham City. Um, you know, has some of the uh, villains and the, uh, you know, in it, and I thought it's it was just a masterpiece. Um, it's. It's essentially a, an origin story for uh, Batman. I see like a long Batman. origin story. It's, with, it's kind um, of more it's more set around Jim with, Gordon though in the yeah. Uh, yeah. what was it? Whatever, the G C P D. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like an origin yeah. for Gotham, like as the city. So like it sets up like everything around Batman. That's a better way to put it. Because yeah, because it, yeah, it, it sets up you have like it gives more to depth about each, you know, character. I mean, because it is a show and it has what, like six or so seasons, something like that. Um, so it goes into detail about like different um, characters and how they, you know, became who they were. Um, villains, Bruce Wayne, obviously Jim Gordon. Um, yeah. Highly recommend. Um, I took you up on daredevil. It took me a little bit of time, but I took you up on it. So you should try Gotham out. It won't disappoint. Yeah, I mean, you're choosing a good time to watch Daredevil because I think ultimately Daredevil is here to stay in the MCU. Um, I think it's pretty clear, and that show is probably going to like directly tie into what's going on in the MCU. I'm not really sure they're gonna reboot their character. They'll probably do something similar to how they did Tom Holland Spider Man. Um, yeah, and on, I think everyone, a lot of people love that scene with Matt Murdock coming in as blind lawyer, but I actually did like I, it took me out of the movie personally. I was like. That I it's rumored that that was a reshoot and it felt like it. It felt like they yeah. had to they, like they need to put something in that first half of the movie. Like here, fan service, like right out there. I mean, I thought like him catching the brick and being like, "Yeah, I'm just a really good lawyer" is like absolutely hilarious. But it, that took me out of the movie. But again, I think it is exciting to see Matt Murdock come in as Daredevil, especially because that show is such a hit. And I think even with the other Marvel TV shows, MCU TV shows that have come out, none of them are better than what Daredevil is. And um, so I think that's a big reason why he'll probably succeed in the MCU. And it's a big reason they put his little cameo in the movie. But Peter, on your note about just the emotion of No Way Home, I think what this movie does that is probably the best is they like the stakes are really high and like it the the stakes make sense it's not over dramatic and it really bring ever since aunt may dies like that's like the first emotional gut punch where you're like wow like that is tough it's pretty much like seeing uncle ben dying except someone that we've spent more time with in aunt may we've seen her for two movies she's in civil war a little bit um so it's just like it's gut punching to see her die and you see like Peter's defeat. And I always say like I think the most underrated scene of that movie is Happy telling Peter to run. Um after she see he sees that Aunt May is dead and he's getting like arrested. Um and I think that emotion from there onwards is just crazy. And they don't need to kill people. They don't need to kill all the Avengers and have um do the kind of um thing they did in Infinity War where like um Tom Holland saying, like, Oh, I don't wanna I don't wanna go, Mr. Stark. 
A, just make it like these people will forget who you are and all the good memories. And I think that emotional gut punch and that, that coffee shop scene at the end oh. where he walks in, yeah, just absolutely devastating. But you see like the maturity of Peter Parker. And like I think about like putting your, myself in those shoes and I'm like, that would be absolutely devastating. And that's why this movie, I always say that, I think that third act is the best thing that the MCU has done. If that third act was the entire movie, it would be by far the best MCU movie, and I genuinely mean that. Yeah, that that coffee shop scene. I that's the you're so right. That stuck with me so much because like you see how badly he wants to just tell MJ everything. And even Ned sitting there, like he looks back and like that's his best friend. But he like looks and he sees how like they're happy. They got into college. They're living their lives. They're like they're living normal lives now, and yeah, he makes the the heroic, the right decision to not tell them, to not involve them with Spider Man, and it's just no heart wrenching because you you want him to be happy, but you know yes. that he has to do the right thing, and it's just like oh my god. And I don't know like what other people thought. I don't know if this was intentional or not. Like, I think everyone thought that, like, Ned and MJ were going to get together. Like, I don't know Ned why was... people thought that. You didn't think that. No. I totally thought that. I did not think that. I did not. I did not think that. I did not. Wait, no, so, I Jacob, totally, did you? I, so, what my thought process was, was that um, when Ned was walking in, the expression and, like, tone of voice that MJ had was suggesting that they were more than just friends. And since MJ doesn't know about Peter, although she still wears that, um, you know, the necklace that he got her, um, I just, it just gave me very much so the vibe that they were, you know, they were dating, which would have been awful, you know, it would have sucked <laughs> for all of us, but I just, okay, so I think, so yeah, from what I'm gathering is Andres, Peter, and Raj, you did not get the impression that they not were? Not at all. No, not at, not at all. The opposite, actually, because, like, the way she looks at him, like, there, there's a certain gaze she gives him at, at the end there, and I think that that was, the, the like, the slightest spark of, of remembrance somehow going against all impossibility, oh, yeah. and that it's, that's, like, I think that, yeah, I think she's going to end up with Peter somehow and some way, and that's just what I, that's what I got from that last scene. Well, then if you do, if she, let's say she is dating uh, Ned, simulation, of course, then oh my God. <laughs> he gets, simulation. she falls in love with Peter, villain arc for Ned, that's the next Spider-Man movie, with you Venom, know, of course. No way. Also, I was... <laughs> Could be back, a Harry Osborn-like uh, kind of thing. I was calling for Andrew Garfield to be the, to, uh, you know, to be evil and, uh, you know, Peter needs help in the Sinister oh Six to beat the Spider-Man, <laughs> but... Peter, I know you got a little bit scared when uh, Andrew Garfield was talking about his, <laughs> uh, you know, his evil past. You you turned around in the theater. Dude, well, I got dude, scared. I I genuinely had a heart attack because when he because he starts almost like talking to himself, and it sounded like a villain monologue where he's like, you know, like I went down this path and I stop pulling my punches and he sounded like vaguely similar to like Heath Ledger's Joker <laughs> where he's like kind of talking to himself a little bit and I was like there's no way this is real like Jacob had to have been joking the entire time so I look back at him and I'm like don't you dare tell me you're right don't you dare tell me that 
that they're gonna make Andrew Garfield evil and like make him put on like the Venom suit or something crazy like that. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I, I refuse. Like my brain was flatlining at that moment. I mean, I would have. It would have been a crazy plot twist, and I don't think the movie would have gotten as many, uh, you know, high reviews as it had, um, or as it has. But I mean, it would have been awesome to be right about that. Like, I feel like. <laughs> Just throwing something out there. No, no. Awesome to be right. No, purely ego. Imagine just saying something that whack and then just being right. Yeah, that would have been insane. You had to have known spoiler for something. It would have been. As someone who sat next to Jacob in the theater, I think when he he because he was saying this time, he's like, okay, the Sinister Six, like they're gonna team up with Tom Holland, Spider Man, they're gonna fight the other Spider Man. I was like, man, like this is this is a take and. Slowly as a movie came along, I was like, they were they were starting to cure people, and I was like, yeah. I was like, Jacob's like Jacob's onto something. I was like, I I could totally see it happening. But as soon as Electro started getting a little sus about this like thing going on his chest, I was like, oh, this is not happening. I mean, and that's really when the movie goes into full stride and like becomes like I think like what makes the whole movie like fantastic. But like. Jacob's take at the beginning of the movie was like outlandish. I was like, man, this is like, he's like really shooting for it. But as the movie crept along, I was like, I really started to buy it. I was like, oh, like Green Goblin, he kind of seems good right now. I was like, Doc Ock got cured. I was like, they got two people on their side. I was like, they're really going to do this thing. And so, although ended up being wildly wrong, Jacob, I mean, Midway through that movie, I was like, I was buying what you were saying. So, would have been I awesome. Refused, I refuse to believe anything he was saying because if he was right, I'd have to walk out the theater. <laughs> just Rod gets up <laughs> in the theater and just lands. Justin, I was thinking the exact same thing as they were like right when he was starting to cure them and whatnot. But one thing though is speaking of the villains, is that wow, I would say Willem Dafoe, his Green Goblin is. If not the perfect villain, a damn near perfect villain because he makes you hate him. And he's not just he's not just a villain. He's not just evil. He has multi layers. Like you could see the conflict within him. But I think he is wow, like I was blown away. Like he he just plays Green Goblin perfectly. Like it's you can't really say, like, I know a lot of people on the internet have been saying that he's like better than Heath Ledger's Joker, but that's an impossible comparison because Heath Ledger's Joker is not like he's played Joker in a typical way or like a comic book accurate way. He put his own spin on it, but I would say Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin is just spot on, and I think he portrays Green Goblin perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I just... Like, you see when they're curing, you're like, wow, this guy is, like, really... He, like, he was really genuine, and he just wanted to, like, help, and he was, like, so there for, like, Peter Parker, which is great for, like, especially, like, the relationship and um the original spider-man 2002 like you just thought it was really cool like i just thought it was really cool that he was working with tom holland and then to have him instantly like flip was just crazy and made, like i mean i thought it was perfect okay so jacob do you need to go real quick yeah i'm sorry guys i need to head out i've been sitting uh you know waiting i have um you know some other plans to attend to so um but yeah i've enjoyed this uh you know being this the pilot episode of this uh podcast and i think we have a, a good thing going right here all right well we'll see you next time jacob next, next, see you next week. See you.
So oh, I think, all right. <laughs> I think if, you have, if you don't have any other No Way Home final things to say, I think I want to move on to an interesting thing I saw on Instagram today and get everyone's thoughts on that. Yes, sure. Um, so I think we can all agree that this year for Marvel has been pretty exciting. Um, not only have they released a lot of cool stuff, but they've also put out a lot of interesting things. And I think on this pod, we can all agree that No Way Home was the best thing put out in the year. 20 yes. no in the year 2021 but i think there's a lot of interesting projects that have been released and i'm going to name them so we have the eternals what if black widow the falcon and winter soldier hawkeye loki wandavision shang chi and spider-man no way home and i want to get everyone's opinions on a what was the most shocking project of 2021 what impressed you the most and what maybe didn't hit as hard for you so Maybe just starting with Raj, like, what do you think about the releases of 2021? What shocked you? What let you down? What shocked me was, honestly, I was kind of shocked by, uh, what was it? I mean, granted, Spider-Man, of course, that shocked me the most. But going away from that, what also shocked me was, honestly, Loki. And, like, just exploring, like, because that was, like, our first true introduction into, like, this idea of, like, what they're going to do in, like, was it Phase 4 with the multiverse and everything? And just like how the finale ended with Sylvie screwing everything up and Loki ending up in the TVA that's not the TVA he was in before. Like, it just shows like how like every it's like slowly all the puzzle pieces are coming together from that one scene we got at the end. And I'm honestly very shocked about like what could what's the future in store because now there's that possibility that will Loki be back in the MCU? Like, did he cheat death again for like what the third time? Something like that. But then. What let me down the most was honestly the Eternals. Like when we went to see it, I I sat there and I was just, I just was kind of underwhelmed. Like I was confused probably a little bit of the time. I'm like, what are the point of these guys? I saw no connection to any prior MCU projects besides maybe some like comments about Thanos and stuff like that. But like the Eternals was honestly a letdown, and I don't know what they're gonna do in the future with that or how they're gonna connect it. I want to say they're gonna connect it to Shang Chi somehow, but we'll see. Yeah, I think um, I think Loki is definitely something where that first episode is absolutely jaw dropping. Like I left that first episode and I was like, man, like they've got something going here. And I think as you go along, I think that's probably the case with all these TV shows. The MCU is released where you like besides what if, but like I think you leave these shows like first episode. and You're like, man, well, you've got something good going over here. And then they kind of fizzle out a little bit over the course of the thing. But I think Loki just like broke open the grounds for like a whole different side of the mcu that we haven't seen yet um and i mean i think you nailed eternals right on the head um i mean i think a lot of the problem with eternals is they tried to fit so many characters into one movie um and i think there are really cool characters in that movie for sure um i'm not going to talk about the eternals in like a full review but i think it's definitely good to say it's definitely safe to say that eternals was definitely underwhelming for sure yeah you can say that again (laughs) Um, I think for me personally, I think the thing that probably surprised me the most was Shang-Chi because I like, I really have never heard like of that character, like in the comics, whatever, maybe like briefly, but I've never really like followed the character, but, and I forget the actor that plays, um, Shang-Chi, but he Uh, is so good. uh, His name is Simu Liu, Liu, I think. Yes. Oh my God. He is such a... A good, like he carries that movie so well 
where like he's clearly like this nice like kind guy who's like a little bit goofy whatever but he never comes across as like anything like oh he's like this he's this uh lovable goofball whatever he doesn't seem cliche in that like he just seems like a really like genuine person and but when he also has like his fight scenes like he does seem like oh this dude is scary (laughs) he will beat the hell out of you um so he's able to really like have that balance between um like those different uh sides of the character i think and because my expectations were at the absolute ground because I was like, because Black Widow was like, okay, and like, uh, this movie was kind of kind of like, all right, like, let's see what they can do with it. But I think the movie itself was so good because they actually really leaned into like the kung fu, like the martial arts, and they did a lot of it, like, not, I wouldn't say practically because a lot of it was like CGI towards the end, but. I think some of my favorite parts were those like actual fight scenes because it reminded me a lot of like the old like Jackie Chan, uh, Bruce Lee movies where it's like this just really good action and it's like the, like they had like this really good one take I think in the bus where it was like it like was really engaging the entire time where he was like using his jacket like as like a way to like parry attacks and stuff like that and then he like puts the jacket back on like that that is so so cool um, so that was definitely the thing that probably surprised me the most and then let down i don't want to beat a dead horse with eternals but like that movie was just so boring like nothing nothing really seemed to happen i feel like it's like after the movie ended it's like okay now what like it doesn't really like it like the movie ended and then it's like okay like i guess it has some connection now with i guess they're going with um whatever Jon Snow's character name character's name is and that where he's going to have like the magic sword but it's it uh, there was certain points in that movie where it just really took me out of it like where Icarus just flies into the sun yeah the end, like, like just <laughs> out of nowhere yeah. it's like why like that had nothing to do yeah. with anything that was happening like it was, I get- I get Ugh. that Marvel wanted to do their little cliche bit with like, ah, oh, Icarus flew too close to the sun, but instead he literally flew into the sun. <laughs> he just looks at this girl and just goes, okay, bye, and just flies directly into yeah. the sun. It's like, wh- why would you, like, you could still, like, oh god. Like, like it's just moments like that just really ruined it for me. No, you have unlimited power, and like, you could do so much good in this world. But, like, because you feel guilty or you did something wrong, you decided to just commit suicide by flying into the sun. Even like, though I feel like they're going to pull something where it's like, oh, he didn't actually die. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't actually fly too close to the sun. <laughs> he just melted his skin, so he's going to have a little bit of makeup on. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just like, I just don't think they knew what they were really doing with that and, like, how it would connect. It's just like, because with the thing is like they've done like space stuff like that they've done it well before with guardians of the galaxy where like it wasn't connected to anything else but they did a really good job of just like making good likable characters that eventually they worked back into the main like storyline and it worked but this is just like there wasn't any characters that i really like latched onto besides what was the really strong dude uh, um, but then he dies. So it's like, okay, who do I have? 
Yeah, I think but, the two most likable characters. I'm going to talk about Eternals again, even though I said I wouldn't. Um, I think two. One of the two most interesting characters are Gilgamesh and Thena, and one of them has really bad memory loss issues, so you don't really get her full character, and the other one dies. So like your two most likable characters in that entire movie, arguably, are also the two characters that you get to spend not too much time with, or you don't get to see the true versions of themselves. Like I would love to see just a spinoff show of Gilgamesh and Thena living in their little cabin. Yeah, that would honestly that would be, be funny. More yeah, than the entirety of Eternals. And then <laughs> there's just that one scene, like Peter, you're sitting right next to me when they had the like the Indian scenes with uh, what's his name, Kanji, I think. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah, like I know my pre-workout videos can be considered culturally appropriating, but my god, was that like that was just hitting all the brown stereotypes I've ever seen. For like context, that. Raj is Indian. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't figured that, yeah, <laughs> yes, but like just sitting there seeing that, like they had the little stereotypical like Bollywood like dance number and everything, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's not even like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, was that at all accurate to anything you have ever seen in India? Bro, maybe in like the 80s. <laughs> maybe in the 80s. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like textbook. Yeah, like holy exactly. shit. That's tough. Oh, well, no. Andres, what about you? Actually, hold up. Oh, before before I go on, Andres, yeah. my favorite character, we forgot his assistant. Oh, yes. Oh, he was very lovable. He was very oh, lovable. Actually, you're right. I actually did. I know you hated him, but I really liked him. I really liked him. He's a wholesome man. He was, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he was just like kind of like sitting there. He was like, oh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's almost needed in this show. I mean, not in the show, in the movie, because I think it kind of takes the show. Like the whole movie is very serious and very like, just very like hard. And I just think that he just kind of like makes everything a little bit better. And um, and I think this. The, I want to know the actors. Oh, it's his name is Harish Patel is the actor. And he just does a great job. I think he's just hilarious, and he plays so well off of, um, oh man, what's that guy's name? Uh, the comedian. Uh, yeah, uh, Kunil. Oh, Nanjiani. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. He, he he just plays so well off of him, and I think if it wasn't for him, this movie like it would have been a drag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's get your like just thoughts on Eternals out there before I think you're gonna just say it's the most disappointing MCU project of 2021. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 like it's hard. I mean, it's not you can't really use an excuse for saying, "Oh, we didn't know them," and that's why it's not good. Because look at Guardians of the Galaxy; we didn't know them, and wow, that movie was phenomenal and we loved all those characters this movie was it was just kind of dry i i don't know it, it, it didn't feel like a as a standalone movie it was it was okay like I, I didn't hate it but in terms of mcu quality from what we're used to i think it, wow it is down there it just it wasn't that enjoyable there were some cool scenes for sure but it just it, it wasn't that fun of a watch i have to say there's like, there's no scene that I could be like, wow, that was such a good scene. Nothing that really that I really remember. Like, I can't even remember all the characters' names because it's it's a pretty forgettable film, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I think like even sitting here, I'm like trying to think of the characters' names, and I'm like, can't get them partly because, oh look, there's so many of them, but also because I haven't cared to go back. I mean, you were like 
spitting out Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, like all over the place, no questions asked. But then I gotta come pinpoint these actors' names and not not to their own fault, but just it's just kind of a forgettable film. Um, I could have read that list of MCU releases, and if they left Eternals off of it, I don't think I would have been like, oh man, I think they missed Eternals. I would have just been, I just wouldn't have noticed. Um, also, it's a forgettable, it's a forgettable movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, Andres, is that your most disappointing film of 2021, or do you have another candidate? I would say yes. I actually yes, it is. Uh, but one thing that is kind of frustrating is to me is just the timing of Black Widow. It's that like it wasn't a terrible movie. It's just it's unfortunate that after she died in Endgame, they released the movie. Like so we got to know more about her after she died and it doesn't really advance like the entirety of the MCU. Like yeah, we got introduced to Yelena and we got like a cool post credit scenes which advances the MCU plot slightly into Hawkeye and ties into there but the entire like the whole movie as a whole doesn't tie into the greater MCU it's just like a backstory it's it's like it's we're not really making any progress with that whole movie is that was my like issue with it. but it, as a movie it wasn't bad it's Eternal's definitely the worst it's just the timing of that movie which frustrates me but there's nothing you can do about that and your yeah, most that's... most surprising film of 2021 um I would have to go with Shang Chi. I mean, I, I, it was a great introductory like story and film of someone who we didn't know. Like, you, like you have Eternals and Shang Chi. Of course, you're introducing one character versus many, but I mean, like it, like you were met. Like it's a, it's the opposite. It's a memorable. Movie. It's a memorable movie. There it is. It's a memorable movie. It is a great movie. Like I was, I was never bored once. I think it. Had, it the flow of it was great. Um, he was Simu Liu was fantastic. He did a great job making like he made Shang Chi someone that I like a lot. Like he's one of my favorite heroes now because of his portrayal of him, and he had humor. He had he was serious at times, like when he needed to be. The the kung fu once again I have to say all the martial arts was awesome. The CGI was great. The soundtrack oh man the soundtrack was awesome. Right. Yeah, fire, I, yeah. It was it was great. Um, that was definitely, of course, no way home aside. That had to have been my favorite. And as for the shows, um, ah, it's it's hard to pick a show. Like they were all good in their own regard. I I definitely liked Falcon and Winter Soldier because we got more of Falcon's story and we get to learn more about him and Bucky Redemption. I'd say, and I thought that was great. Wandavision had a very weird start, but it became a great show. Like I always like after an episode came out, I just wanted more. I needed more of it. And the same goes for Loki and what if, I mean all of them, but if I had to pick a favorite show, I think I'd have to go with Loki just with the way it sets up the rest of the multiverse coming in. And I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not gonna beat like the Shang-Chi horse to dead. Like here, I think Shang-Chi is, I mean, I think Andres, we were talking about expectations earlier, and right. I remember you going into that theater and saying, "I have no expectations," and I was right there with you. I was like, "What can I expect? I don't know anything about the character. His comics aren't all over the place, so like even the comics he's in, like usually with certain things, you're like, oh well, that's in the Kingpins in the comics kind of thing.' Yeah, but knew nothing about Shang Chi, and I I just vividly remember when that I rewatched Shang Chi about two three weeks ago, um, and that the beat drop when they walk through the portal to Wong's um, to where Wong is 
they have this song. It's called I put it I put it on my like uh, uh used out music and went and go download it because I thought the song is really good. It's called Fire in the Sky. It's like they use that song to like oh, yeah. that and when that song hit, it's not even just a song, but like I was just like, what did I watch? Because I was so in shock of just like a new origin story that didn't have any like crazy. I don't I don't think anything in that movie is really like like crazy. Like there's not like multiverse. It's not like this crazy magic. It's just like this really well done story. So I, I mean, think besides the great. dragon at the end, but yeah, the dra- yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, crazy. Yeah, definitely. Why it doesn't get like top tier marks for me? But I mean, I think. I think it could possibly be a top 10 um, MCU project, and I think it's just really well done. So, um, obviously, Shock. I'm going to go with here, for me, What If, I think, really did a good job um, for what I think it was going to be. I thought What If was going to be a nice little side. Um, nice little side MCU thing, kind of just like, oh, here, we're just going to like have some fun. Like, oh, what if like Peggy took the Super Soldier Serum? I mean, I thought there would be a lot more like fun, lighthearted ones where it was just like, oh, this would happen and we'll just poke fun at some like different Marvel things that we that could be fun to do. And the way they did it and connected them in some like the Doctor Strange episode is oh my God. Yeah. is emotional <laughs> emotional roller coaster and just this epic project where I'm like, I think that this the what if series just gave me something that I was like not expecting in a, an entirely new way. I mean I think a lot of them are definitely shocking for sure. But for what if I just thought it was just going to be this kind of like plucky side TV show that wasn't that big of a deal. And I'm going into season two, like, what are they going to do next? Like, this is super exciting. Yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, that's funny. I was thinking the exact same thing. I thought it was just what if it was just some sideshow of different scenarios. But now I know, like, with the MCU, everything will always be connected somehow. Like, yeah, everything's just always connected. And then, as for most disappointing, um, Eternals obviously is not great for me. I'm just again, I'm gonna go different here, just uh, give some other thoughts on things. But Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think, n- not no shade to Sebastian Stan and um, man, why it is uh, Falcons, why is Falcons um, Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, yes, um, <laughs> just no shade to them, but. Like I just think the plot falls really short. I think you don't. I don't care about the villains. I care a lot more about um, the dynamic between Bucky and um, Bucky and Falcon. And I think just like I rewatching it, I was like disinterested and was like didn't really care about this. I mean, there's some funny moments, but especially after that first episode, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be really cool. I was like, and I didn't get the payoff I wanted to. Um, and then just rolling through, I guess that was we end this first episode of the podcast would be, I think Black Widow is a very, like, mid-movie. Eternals, obviously disappointing. We talked about What If. Um, I think Hawkeye, I mean, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more in the future as that show just recently ended. But I think, again, like, you kind of just put it in the same Black Widow tier where I'm like, eh, I don't know what anyone else briefly thinks about Hawkeye. I I personally, I really liked Hawkeye personally, not just because of the fact that we'll put Kingpin in the end, but I, I really liked getting to know of his character more. I'm a little worried that they are just, like, done with Hawkeye after this. That they're just going to have Kate Bishop be the next Hawkeye, which I think she would do a great job. But I'm a little worried that they're just like, oh, yep, no more Clint. He's done. It's like, oh, okay. I guess he's just done now. Like, that's it. Like, no, like, heroic send-off. No this, no that. It's kind of just like, 
yeah, I just lit my suit on fire, and now I'm just going to be sitting in this home in Montana now for the rest of my life. It's like, oh, good. All right. Yeah, for sure. Go on, Andres. Yeah, no, I was just, as for the end of Hawkeye, Hawkeye, I forgot to address. It was, I thought it was a great show up until, Justin, as I know you would agree, the last two episodes where really the ending for me is what kind of messed things up. The ending was underwhelming, to say the least. And just Kate Bishop, she's a cool character for sure, but she had a lot of plot armor going up against one of Marvel's big dogs. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a bit. Yeah, she should not have survived that fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Hawkeye is something that I think started off really hot. I think fell short in the end. I think I would probably place it similar to where I place maybe a little bit higher than Falcon Winter Soldier. We talked about Loki. Just I think blue expectations kind of out of the water. I don't know if it's the most well done show. Um, yes. But I think in terms of just like breaking what we thought about the MCU and the timelines and stuff, just. Especially the visuals and like Miss Minutes explaining things. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then my last little, the last thing we have not talked about, although it is my favorite show on this list and maybe my second favorite project on this Here list. Here we go. Jesus. Here's oh my my yep. WandaVision because <laughs> I think it is the first show that comes out. I think they advertise it as this sitcom, and you, we, it is really like we have no idea what we are going into. And those first three episodes, you are like, what is this? It's a sitcom. And I love sitcoms, so I love the first three episodes. And then they, the fourth episode, I'll never forget watching the fourth episode in my dorm room and being like, and I'm just revealing everything. I was like, oh my God, like this is what's happening. Um, and for me, WandaVision is probably a top 10 mcu project i just loved i just dug everything about the uh show besides maybe the finale was a little underwhelming but other than that like i dug the show just some thoughts on wandavision i think it's like one of the only ones that i think i mean i think it's one of the best well done marvel marvel projects it doesn't maybe get talked about as much as it should it, i definitely agree with you that it's it's definitely more underrated now i feel like because we've had other shows come out we've had other projects come out and now that it's not the only thing we can talk about, I think people do kind of sweep it under the rug. Like, oh yeah, it's just one of the Marvel TV shows, whatever. I do think it's one of the better Marvel TV shows. I just like, I think I need to go back and rewatch it, honestly, because I do remember really liking it, but I kind of like, yeah, like I kind of just like the ending where it was just kind of like, oh, she's the Scarlet Witch, whatever. And she doesn't really have any repercussions for anything. She kind of just like leaves. It's like, oh, Okay, I guess yeah. it's over now. <laughs> like, like she um, kind of trapped an entire city or yeah. town, yeah. for sure. But also, it's like, who the heck's gonna stop her? Exactly. Right? Like, like yeah, we're gonna put prison. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's actually the really funny part because I thought that's what they were gonna do in Multiverse of Madness, and they're just not. Because like in the trailer, he goes, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not here to talk about." wherever it's like westview westview yeah. it's like, oh so we're just not dealing with that all right cool like we're just brushing right past that like all right you know entrapping uh, like what a few hundred yeah. citizens to do yeah, your bidding yeah. you know all right i mean okay. I, yeah exactly but like again like i, I should honestly i should probably should rewatch it because you've been saying that forever that you love it it's like all right i'll give it another shot because i did i did like like the character moments with wanda and vision um but yeah, I I do think it's definitely underrated right now. Oh, we need Jacob's take on Vision right now. Oh, oh yeah, we'll get that <laughs> eventually. Don't you worry. Whole episode yeah, we, for that one. 
Yeah, we'll sure get uh, um, episode on Vision. Maybe, maybe we'll get another project to drop, or but for sure, we definitely need to get uh, Jacob's thoughts on Vision on this pod a- ASAP. What is drip if not swag persevering? Oh yes. my god, <laughs> that's not Vision. That's not Vision. That's dot Vision. Yep. <laughs> Love the ship of Theseus thing, thing in the finale. I think some people yeah. think it takes it out of it. I think it's hilarious. I liked that was, it. That was pretty good, yeah. I like a little philosophical debate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any final thoughts as we uh, close out the first episode of the podcast? Uh, right now, no. Yeah, all yeah. good. All right, well, I think that will conclude the first episode of the Washed Athlete Podcast. Obviously, we are just getting things going, and we are excited for anyone who listens to hopefully join us on this journey. Um. And hopefully we will see you next week.